Well, good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas to you. See, you're all in a mellow mood because you're in a reflective mood. And that's the purpose, I believe, of a Christmas Eve service is to place us in a position of reflection. And I trust that you're able to do that tonight. If you're new with us this morning, thanks for, or this evening, thanks for being a part of our church family. Uh, my name is Carrie, and as lead pastor, I get a chance to serve alongside of Joe, and uh, we are glad that you're here. But uh, we're not going to do announcements or anything like that. There is a Connect card in the back of your s- s- seats. If you'd like to fill that out, if you're new, we'd love to know about you. And uh, not doing an offering this evening either. If you want to drop the Connect card and you're offering in a basket on the way out, you can do that. But uh, we are here to reflect and to set the day for tomorrow. Do I have any kids in here tonight? A few of you? Are you all excited about Christmas coming? You ready? And your parents did the right thing in bringing you to church tonight. Because in our world, young people and old people, it's so easy to get caught up in all the trappings of the holiday, the hustle and bustle. Hopefully you weren't out trying to do some last-minute shopping today. But there can be a lot of stress that comes into just pulling off the right kinds of moments. In our household, because we go back to the Midwest, to our extended family for a Christmas, um, we have our Christmas a day early. And it was nice this year to be able to have that whole day yesterday together. And uh, my wife, who some of you know broke her leg, she was adamant that she didn't have to do the red-eye flight back to Indiana tonight. So I put her and three of the kids on a plane to get there tonight so they could sleep. But right before I walked in here, I found out that their plane from Dallas to Indiana got canceled. So I'm sure I'll hear about that. (laughs) My son, Zach, and I were taking the red eye tonight, and we'll get there. We may end up beating them. But thankfully, my oldest son, I just found out right before I walked up here that he got them on another flight, and they are going to get in. I don't know if they're going to beat us or not. But it's all that kind of planning and logistics, and you're trying to get everything right. But tonight, I want us to share the good news. There's a story told of prisoners of war from World War II. They were in a Nazi prison camp behind German lines. And as you know, those camps were quite decimated. And the German guards would stand behind the fence and they would watch the prisoners. And the prisoners, they were weak Their faces were downcast. Their shoulders were slumped. And they wouldn't talk with one another much. And one particular morning, the guards, the German guards, noticed that the prisoners on the other side of the fence seemed to be happy. And they didn't quite understand it. In fact, the prisoners, uh, they were not slumped older. Their, their faces were no longer downcast. They actually were smiling. And they didn't know quite what was going on. And they started to cluster together in these little groups. And they were chatting and talking to one another. And the Nazi prison guards didn't know what had happened. But this is what had happened. Somebody had snuck an AM transistor radio into camp. 
and they heard the news that the Allied forces had landed, and they were triumphant, and they were steadfastly making their way inland. And the prisoners, when they heard this news, they started to realize that they had the possibility of liberation around the corner. They had heard good news. And that good news had quickened their spirit and changed their very countenance and who they were as individuals because they had hope. Yet they were still behind the fence. They were still starving. They they still were very weak. But because they had heard a declaration of good news, their spirit and their hearts had changed, even though their circumstances had not. Can you comprehend the good news that came to the shepherds on the hillside that night? 400 years of silence, of waiting for the Messiah, of which we spoke about, we sang about here this evening. And, and we know about the Messiah because we live 2,020 years past this event. And so it becomes sort of commonplace to us. But for them, there was a longing. There was a hunger. They were under the oppressive Roman government. And they didn't know if their religion really had a lot of spark to it anymore. And would the Messiah ever come? And they're the angels came and they broke through that sky, terrifying the shepherds, right? And the declaration was what? Behold, we bring great news, joyful news to you for all people. For on this day in the city, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah. And they got up and left from there. And we're going to look at that text here in a second. But can you, can you comprehend how that good news changed them? The lowly shepherds. I'm here to share with you tonight. And I don't know if you're a regular churchgoer or you worship and honor God or you're just sort of checking things out. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend tonight. I don't know what your circumstance and your situation is in life. You may be downcast, shoulders slumped over, not talking to people much, very discouraged about the circumstances in your life. But I want to declare to you tonight what the scriptures declare is that we have good news because unto us a Savior has been born for all people. Every single one of us in this room and throughout this nation and around the world, not only in this generation, but from every generation since that good news broke to those shepherds. And I want to just encourage you not just to hear the good news and just go along your merry way and go, okay, that's nice to know. I think that's that Christmas story. I'm not quite sure if it's true or whatever. Friends, you need to know this, that the good news is potent, it's powerful, and it can change and transform your life no matter where you're at spiritually or lack thereof tonight. We spoke about it a bit on Sunday, this whole idea of making room in our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We mentioned on Sunday that when they came to the end to try to get housing because Mary was with child, they were turned away. They were turned away and there was probably an innkeeper there who just simply said, no room. Be gone. But that's never 
the situation with God through his spirit for your life tonight. He says, will you create room in your heart for me? Because I'm going to prepare a place, a room for you so that you will be with me forever. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. You came here tonight probably with someone. You're in relationship with them. Maybe they're a mom or a dad. Maybe they're a sister or a brother or a friend or a neighbor. We as human beings, we are built for relationships. And, and holiday times are special times for us to be together in those relationships. And for us to focus on the relationships and the joy we have with one another. And that's why I'm trying to get my family back to the extended family for Christmas Day tomorrow. is because relationships are important. I also mentioned Sunday that this is a different Christmas for many of us. Some of us have lost loved ones that we've been in relationship with, in particular family members. Jennifer, who sang up here this evening, her and her sister Melissa lost their mom just this last week. It's hard. My wife, the last thing she said to me when we sent her off to the airport today, she goes, I really wish that you would be there when I got there when I had to walk into your mom's house. You see, we would always go back to the farmhouse I came from, and my mom, she would be there, but she passed away just two months ago. So it's our first Christmas without my mother there. It's my first Christmas to go back to the home with the relationships we have, but the, the matriarch's no longer there. And there's going to be some sadness and a tug in my heart, but I tell you what, because my mom received the good news and she acted on the good news and she made room in her heart for the good news, the person of Jesus Christ, I know I have a hope that one day I will see her again and we will celebrate and rejoice about the Christ event that changed the world together. We have that hope. But we don't have that hope if we don't make room for the good news to come into our life. The good news of Jesus Christ himself. And so I encourage you, as you reflect tonight, to not only reflect on the story, but to reflect on where you're at with receiving that good news. I'm going to read to you some of the story. The story begins with actually the announcement of a birth to a relative of Mary, and that was Elizabeth. And her husband, Zachariah, and, and it was proclaimed to them through angelic beings that they were going to have a son. And they were to name that son John. He would be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would be the one who proclaimed and heralded the good news of the coming Messiah before Jesus showed up on the scene when he was 30 years old and he went from his home life to his public ministry life. And then we find this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, she was six months along, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled 
at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And I'm sure if you were Mary, you would be too. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. Think about that if you were Mary. An angel proclaims this to you. You're stunned. You're taken back. And say, you're going to be with child even though you have not been with a man. And you are going to give birth to one whose kingdom will reign forever. Now, we're not used to kingdoms much today, right? We have a whole different kind of political environment and government organization, right? But the kings were known that. And the idea that there would be a king born through your very womb that would reign forever? How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? (laughs) The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled as it is. Then the angel left her. You see, when the angel came and proclaimed this idea that you are going to have a child and going to be a king that reigns forever and they'll be the son of God, she knew what that meant. She knew that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. Because she had been taught from a very young age that the Son of God would be the Messiah and would be called that and that she would be the intricate part of bringing him in to this world. I'm sure there was this rumbling through the neighborhood about Mary as she became noticeably pregnant, living with her parents even though she was engaged or what's called betrothed to Joseph, they did not come together. They did not have physical relationships. They were planning for the future wedding day. And so there was a little bit of scuttle going around about it. But she knew that she had had a divine pronouncement brought to her. Now, she couldn't put the notice out there to everybody else because that would have been awkward or maybe they wouldn't have believed her or whatever may have been, you know, there's all kinds of proclamations of good news today or the reveal parties or you name what it is or you put it on Instagram or you you send out a text to everybody that's your friend that I'm expecting. She, She wasn't able to really do that. But word started to get around, I'm sure. But she knew that she had had this divine encounter with the angel that told her what was going to be happening. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, I think this is fascinating. When her relative Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you try to unpack that one? In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. 
And blessed is the child you will bring. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Friends, if you've ever doubted, if a baby inside a womb is a real human being, there's some scripture to tell you it is. Just like the pronouncement of good news that came to the prisoners of war and the good news came to the angel from the angels to the shepherds. Here was this good news that greeted and the infant inside her very womb leaped for joy because they had come together and knew what was happening. That's incredible to me. And then to think that Elizabeth's baby would end up being the front runner of proclaiming Jesus Christ when he started his public ministry. We move forward into chapter 2, and we looked at these briefly on Sunday. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, being the responsible husband-to-be of a child that was not his, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, went south then to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her, her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. No room, no vacancy. It's hard to depict exactly what kind of stable that was in, but it's most likely a cave. Some of you, I don't know if you've been to Bethlehem or not. I had the opportunity to go when I was younger. And there's uh, the place where they believe Jesus was born, and it's down low and like in a cave underneath the church of the nativity. And you're like, really? Well, oftentimes... The animals, they stayed in the lower part of the bed and breakfast, if you will. In a cave area, the animals were down lower and then you lived above them. And so we're not quite sure what it was, but it most likely it was in a cave or some type of barnish area, but maybe not like we typically see it today. And so they were encouraged that they could go there. And thus we have our nativity scene environment today. And we're able to share the story and depict the story because of this visual setting. One of our traditions that we do at our Christmas, and we did it last night again, the night before, we tell the story with all the figurines around the nativity set. And my son Levi has it down really good. We got a new nativity set this year, and he did a good job even with the new ones. And we read the story. Because Christ needs to be at the center of it. But that whole nativity scene, I don't know exactly how it looked, but we do know this, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he was not ushered into some palace environment, but he came in a very lowly, humble kind of manner. God silently, and we'll be singing Silent Night in a little bit, that in, in this quiet night, God entered into the world. God took on the form of flesh was born among us so that we could have life. 
Because he knew in our brokenness that there needed to be good news. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. As we mentioned, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Do you remember what they said? Glory to God in the highest. In the highest heaven on earth to those, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they him hauled around and they eventually decided they would get, you know, their slow feet there. Is that what it says? No. <laughs> they were so excited about this good news. This good news that was going to change their life and change the world. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good news! Good news! Those prisoners of war behind the fence, not only were they starting to smile and and talk to one another, there were some hoots going on. That's why the Prison guards were like, what's going on? There was excitement. There was energy coming up from them because they knew change was going to happen. They would be liberated and freed. A new course of direction would be set. They may very well be able to see Christmas with their family again. Back stateside. The good news. Friends, this good news of the entry of the Messiah into this world, God himself taking on a baby body and then growing to be a man, living sinlessly, dying on a cross from our sins, being raised from the dead, ascending to the right hand of the Father, coming back again, establishing his kingdom in our hearts and lives to begin with, and then his kingdom will reign forever and ever, and we will be a part of that if we're followers of him. Friends, that good news is far greater than any news from any allied force landing. Because Jesus Christ landed. They had longed for Him. Come thou long expected Jesus. We have a hunger in our hearts for this good news. And He came. And He has come. So that you may have life. And have life to the full. But the scripture says. We looked at it earlier this month. That in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Referring to Jesus Christ. All things came into being by him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that has come into being. And him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness did not comprehend it. It says in John that he came to his own, his own people. But his own did not receive him. But to as many who received him, to them... They would become the children of God. 
born not of flesh, nor of the will of man, not a natural birth, but born of the Spirit. The good news, you don't just need to know about it. You need to experience it. And to experience it, you need to receive Christ into your life and begin to follow him, to repent of your sins, to turn and walk towards him and say, I I can't do this, but you can through me. And let his kingdom reign in your hearts first. You can't get your act together. Nobody can get their act together good enough for God, who's perfect. He's the one who transforms your life. But you, by simple humility, choose to receive him, to receive the good news. Have you received the good news? Or do we just blow through the Christmas scene and lose sight of the beauty and the master narrative, the incredible epic that we're a part of? True story. Washington, D.C., subway systems. There was a man who took a violin in the middle of the workday and began playing the violin as people would pass by. Nobody really gave much notice to him as he played that violin and he was playing the violin quite well. Finally, after a couple minutes, one man stopped and gave pause and then realized what time it was and he hurried off to work. Another lady came by and she didn't even stop her pace. She just threw in a little bit of change in the bucket that was there by the man playing the violin and went on her way. The man was playing Bach. And he didn't play for much more than 45 minutes. Six different pieces of Bach on the violin. A little kid came by. He was probably the one that, that, that noticed the most. And his mom's dragging him. And, and he pauses to look over his shoulder. And the mom yanks him on and they keep going. In fact, this happened with several children being yanked. Another man, he, he paused and leaned back for a while. But then he went on his way too when he realized it was time for work. Less than 10 people stopped or gave some type of pause. Several people threw money in as they passed by, but there was a total of $32 after 45 minutes. And when it came to a close, the gentleman, with no fanfare or nobody acknowledging anything, no applause, he packed up and he walked away with no recognition. The gentleman that was playing was Joshua Bell, a very famous and gifted musician, playing one of the hardest pieces, most beautiful pieces ever written on a violin that was worth three and a half million dollars. Just a couple days before that subway concert, He had performed in Boston to a packed-out theater with tickets averaging $100 apiece. It was actually a social experiment by the Washington Post to see what people would do if they were in a common place with 
an uncommon or difficult, hurried time, would they appreciate beauty? Would they pause to be able to appreciate and taste beauty in the midst of ordinary life in the hustle and bustle? Friends, the hustle and bustle of this season causes you to pause. And will you acknowledge the good news that comes on this night? That unto you a Savior is born. Good news that can change your life if you will but receive him and not just pass on by into another new year. I want you to watch this video, which is a recap of some of the historical anticipations of Jesus Christ being born. You already sang the hymn, the carol tonight, the first Noel. Do you know what Noel means? Noel is French for Christmas. But it's also French for good news. You see, Christmas and good news, they're one and the same. And so the first Noel, the first Christmas, really was the first truly good news. And following this hymn, this carol, we're going to sing by candlelight. But I want to give you the opportunity to pray to receive Christ tonight, for you to be born anew because of the good news and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you too can be born a child of the King.